Well, good morning, or good mid-morning. It's good to see everybody. Um, it's my hope today that we can enjoy some time together and that I can move, William. Yes, like I'm not attached to this at all. All right, so that we can enjoy some time together and encounter uh, Jesus together. So everything uh, I say and everything uh, we uh, participate in, is, that's my hope. Uh, this is a great uh, gift to be with you guys. There are a couple people I just want to uh, give a shout out to. My mom and my dad, from whence I've come, are here. Uh, if you've ever walked across the Dottie Brock Gardens, that's the Dottie Brock right there. And so that's pretty cool. So if you have any critiques, she's happy to hear them, and she will, she will put you to work with her uh, at resolving those. Uh, and then my brother, Marshall, is here, which is really fun. I don't think my... Is Peg here? Peg is here with Tate, all right? And my wife of 30 years, Holly, is here. We did make those two kids in Founders Hall, just to be clear. We did not birth them there, but they were conceived in Founders Hall. So that's... The true name of Founders Hall. That's where they were founded, right? If you're wondering. <laughs> we actually were living there. When we first moved there, it was just called Bells Hall. And when I met the Bells family and the Schmidt family and the Rayburn family, you know, it's just a little intimidating. That was the only thing we could think of to contribute to make it the same. Um, so, uh, one other, one other, just note, uh, a couple of you guys I've had the privilege of teaching before. Uh, I've told you I would do this, so I have to do it. Uh, Landry, Lily, Kate, um, Katie, David, are you here? Where's Katie, David? All right, Kate, uh, should we get Landry to do it, Katie, or you? Landry, all right. Landry, you don't have to stand up, but just say uh, in an audible way, what's the definition of motivation we worked on? Motivation. Stand up. Stand up. Katie can also do that. Lily Kay can also do that. Um, it is great to be here. Oh, you know what? Where's, where's uh, CSM team? Are they here as well? Uh, all right, yes. These are guys I work with a lot every day, so glad to see you guys here as well. Um, all right, why am I here? Well, probably a lot of this got back to teaching uh, your daughter uh, two years ago, which was a good gift. Um, but if you back it up a few years before that, uh, when I was a sophomore in college, so several of you guys are in that situation right now, I was at Vanderbilt, and I began to realize how much um, flexibility your education had. You know, you go to college, and you just start doing your, your drill, but you start to kind of realize that a lot of this is, is uh, they're very flexible. So I hope you all know that, and I hope you don't get mad at me for saying this. But we found a couple of professors that we really wanted to learn from, they did not have a class that was exactly like we, what we wanted. And I'm going to keep looking at you to say, don't say this. And so we, we basically appealed to have a class. And the class was, uh, we basically wanted to really read and study Martin Luther King and his 
the way he thought and the way he taught. So we made a class, Martin Luther King and his teachings. And we spent the entire semester um, parsing and working through all of the things he spoke and everything he did. I had never studied a person like I had done that uh, semester. And it was unbelievably eye-opening to me, unbelievably captivating. And in about March of that year, we got to his I Have a Dream speech. Now, I grew up on Lookout Mountain, the water towers, if you look off from your parking lot down there. Um, and so when I left to go to college, I honestly thought, that's it, I'm moving on. I'm kind of one of these people that, that I feel like a pioneer, and, and I'm going and going and going. Well, in the middle of his speech, um, he starts to kind of do this. If you study much of his, of his speeches, he'll, he'll pick something, and it starts to grow and grow and grow. So this idea of freedom was central to that speech. And the idea that freedom would ring uh, throughout the entire world was central to this speech. And at the very end, you're completely captivated. And you're like, where is this going to happen? And he begins to give these proclamation points. And when he got to the, you know, the very end, the seventh of the proclamation points, and is, uh, says, let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain. He technically said Tennessee, but Lookout Mountain. Um, I had this amazing experience in my innermost parts where I was like, I want to be a part. That's my mountain. And I never had heard anybody dream of something like that about this mountain. And I want to be a part of that dream. So today, uh, I, I really believe, you know, I want to make sure we're clear. I think you guys are a part of that dream and a part of making it a reality. So I hope while you're here, you, you consider what does it look like for freedom to ring uh, from Lookout Mountain. And you, and you really deeply consider that. So that's, that's what brought me back here. And if we go all the way back uh, when I was probably 8 or 9 or 10 years old, this, this student named Cheryl Van Stelly. Uh, is any of the Van Stellys here? Kids are green. Yes? Hus- you're her husband? Cheryl Van Stelly's husband. Oh my. Peter is here? I did not know that. Why are you here? Wow. Okay. You teach here. Okay, man, I got to make sure I say everything I was going to say then. All right, so I did not know he was here. Um, <laughs> so I'm a nine-year-old kid, I think, and uh, my mom and dad come and say we have this idea of, of letting this woman who's a Covenant College student. Well, I've never heard the name Covenant College. I'm a nine-year-old kid, um, and she's going to come live with us, and I was like, live with us what's what is that about and um when we sat and talked about it uh this is one of those just early moments where my my mom and dad said well it's it's something that uh as we studied the person of jesus we're beginning to really rethink about everything we have and everything we are and our home could maybe be a different it's it's a home so maybe it could be like a tool for a little more than we were thinking so you're eight or nine and Cheryl was awesome, and, uh, and, uh, and, but, but kind of back up just another year or two, uh, that was, this is a very new conversation for our family. I think uh, if, I'm not picking on my mom and dad, I don't think, but if they were honest, uh, as a kid, you don't totally know how to say these words, but I think they were kind of sleepwalking through their life, is that fair to say? Uh, from, from having me to about six, seven years old, eight years old. Doing what was right, uh, but not really alive. Um, doing things <clears throat> that you're supposed to do, but not really being present to it. And, and I watched as a kid 
my mom and dad had this, um, you know, it's a really powerful experience where they, they met the person of Jesus. And so as a kid, um, I had, my dad was, again, I'm talking like we're in our living room, so I'm sorry if this is, uh, I hope this is okay, but my dad had not um, been a big hugger. May, I'm not sure we had really touched much at all, okay, and, and uh, just wasn't, he wasn't raised that way, and <clears throat> so he's about eight years old, and this is my first time I'd heard about the person of Jesus. Um, he said, guys, um, this may be a little awkward, but, uh, you know, normally when I come home, you know, uh, he'd, he'd worked in a candy plant, and he'd work all day, he had, you know, starch and stuff on him, he'd kind of come home, and he had this thing where he'd get to just walk straight back and and go read for a while, and just be quiet for a while. And that was his drill. You know, you're a kid. That's just what happens. And he said, I'm just starting to think, when I come home, um, I'd like to just, like, say hey to y'all. And as a kid, you're like, awesome. That's great. Was, yeah. And, uh, and I think for him, it was like a big deal. You know, he just had never thought this way. <clears throat> Why? What's the change? Well, I've been really encountering the person of Jesus, and... He's just making me rethink the way I interact with you guys in our relationship. And, and another thing, like, you know how we don't, we've never hugged? And, you know, and so, as a kid, you know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, tomorrow when I come home, if y'all want to, you know, like, y'all can come out and give me a hug, you know. And, and, uh, and so as a kid, you're like, awesome, you know, let's, let's do that. And so, you know, I just have these vivid memories of, you know, like, I love Jesus. Like, this is so cool. What's he, he's, what he's doing to my dad is awesome. We're sitting there, he drives in, and we're like, yeah, we get to go hug him, and we hugged him, and, and, you know, my dad was awkward, he'd never hugged people much, and so he was trying to figure it out, and, and, you know, how was that, and, you know, his little shoulder leading in, so can you learn to face like this, and, and so, you know, those are my, my very first memories of um, hearing the person of Jesus, and I guess one of the things I'd like to just say here to this crowd, and if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll own it, but if I'm right, I'll ask you to listen. I think you guys, as a, as, as a um, in whole or whatever, have been taught um, that Jesus uh, is the Christ, that Jesus is the Savior of everything so profoundly and so early that some of y'all may have missed the gift of Jesus the person. And, and I, and I want to make sure you don't, I'm not trying to minimize what you've been taught, but I do want to make sure I drive y'all to spend some years upon years upon years studying the person of Jesus. I was led to that because as I read Martin Luther King's speeches, almost everything he said that resonated with me, I realized he had gotten from Jesus' core teachings. And one of my frustrations was, as I've traveled around, I find so few students in college, I mean, y'all are the sharpest people, you know, we have, who are spending a lot of time studying the, the teachings of one of the most significant leaders, I would say the most significant leader ever. And so to learn to become someone that is really well versed in Jesus' teachings. So I'd like to, is that clear? I told some of y'all that raise your hands if it doesn't make sense. Um, literally read what he taught, chew on how he thought, who he engaged with, why he engaged with people, what was, what was, what was Jesus' method of of teaching. What, what was he trying to really communicate? And so I want to just <coughs> uh, drive that home. There's the clock. And so <coughs> the, there's two things I would like to spend a few minutes on. Is I have spent my days doing that. Uh, the 
central message that I think Jesus uh, kind of comes to. So please don't, if you don't, I don't want to short circuit your studies. And if you come up with different findings, tell me. But it's very central teaching to me <coughs> is pivoting around this concept of love. So what I want to communicate to you guys is that I believe out of all of creation, you were made uniquely gifted with a specific capacity to receive love and to give love. And I think it is, it is the thing that differentiates you from everything, all right? And it's the foundation or the bedrock of everything else you do. My concern is we spend far too little time becoming people who, be, who are really uh, adept and mature at receiving love and really mature and adept at giving love, okay? And I mean this, I mean this on uh, a macro level and on a really micro level. So, here's, so here are just a couple of, of little stories that have been really significant to me. One of the, 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 the ways I always, always say it is, you know, Jesus was very clear from, from thousands of years ago, you know, what the, the law always says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, Jesus was really interesting the way he, he broadened that idea of neighbor. Do you all remember that? Make sure we're tracking together. How did he broaden it? I'm more of a teacher than a speaker, so I'm going to ask questions. Y'all can answer. How did, he, how did he broaden it? Say again. Yeah, and like, what was the, what was the even more unique story? How did he, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah so it's, it's very odd, like, like, really never had met the person, right? So in general, you think of neighbor as someone you know well, like next door to you. Um, but this is someone that he'd never seen before, but he treated them as if they were his neighbor. And so... Uh, Jesus is doing this, he's trying to help you th- shape a, a way of viewing yourself and the world. <clears throat> he goes on to say something really radical, which is he, he, he wants us to not only love those who are easy to love, but he wants us to begin to think about and to activate and to literally love who? Your enemies. Your enemies, okay? Um, I first heard this thought I think from the Martin Luther King speeches, and have been chewing on that for about 10 years. And this is just a funny little story, um, so I'll pass it on. I was invited to go spend some time in a Palestinian refugee camp, and we were doing all this really, it was really amazing work, and we're, um, you know, we're, well, I like soccer. This is a discouraging thing. I won't get into that. So, so we're over there in the Palestinian refugee camp. Uh, we're having an amazing time. And we got a call from a Muslim uh, architect. And if you've ever been to that part of the world, it, literally every building had, had huge mortar rounds of holes in it. And I'd never really been in an environment that was that beat up. And they'd been fighting for decades. And you know, so the idea of um, enemies was very significant there. So this guy, uh, Shadi, invites us into his office. I did not know him well. He had kind of been watching us at a far... It's his country. And I go in there and he says, um, I like what you're doing. I had this, uh, I'm just going to be honest. We, ha- we are worn out. We have been fighting for decades. And I, do you have any ideas that would help us stop fighting? And, you know, I'm sitting in this office. I don't know this guy. But I, but I really, I, I, it's, it's my, one, my one shot. And I said, well, the only idea I've ever heard that helps deal with this is this concept of learning to love your enemies. 
And I say that across the desk. He sits there. Like 45 seconds, you know, and I'm like, you know, did, did I offend him? And all of a sudden he starts to go, hmm. So, well, that is a fascinating idea. What? Uh, fascinating idea. Um, where, where did you, I've never heard that. Where did you hear that teaching? And I said, well, it's a teaching from the person of Jesus. And he's like, that. That has the, that's the most hope I've heard in a long, long time. What, how do we do that? And I said, well, I don't, like, every situation is very unique. I know, it's, I know it's a powerful idea for you to learn to love your enemies. All the other strategies, trying to take them out, trying to, you know, all, you know everything else is not working. Do it. So we, we, we leave, go away for like a year, come back. I see him at, at a gathering. That was so funny. And, you know, you just don't get, I was not used to hearing this from a, Muslim friend that I didn't know that well, but we're in a big crowd. He looks at me, he's like, crew, I love the Jesus way. He's like, uh, that was amazing. And I was like, what, what, what happened? Like, I hadn't heard anything. And he said, well, we, we thought about how could we love our enemies. And the only solution we came up with, we thought about this a lot, is we took, we literally packed up all of our ammunition, all of our guns. So I'm like, all right, well, I wasn't even thinking we we're dealing with that serious level of stuff. And we took it over to the leader of the, the, people we were always trying to shoot up and gave them everything we had and left a letter that said this is everything we've used to bring harm to you it is now in your possession and we're saying we are not we do not want to be harmful and in fact we want to bring blessing to you because we realize that's the only way for us to work and I'm like we did what I mean I, you know and like you kind of had this like oh crud what did I do and uh and again and and I said and what happened he goes it worked. He's like, we have, like, we have begun, again, it didn't, you know, they, we have begun to communicate in ways that we have never dreamed of communicating. I love the Jesus way. What are other things did he talk about? And I said, well, the only other, the only other one that I was thinking of right then is, um, you know, this idea that at the very end of Jesus' life, he drives home this idea of loving one another. And so the, he and I have been, you know, working on that. It was probably 15 years ago. And so I want to leave you with this thought of, of Jesus' uh, this, this yearning he has for us to love one another. And what I learned with uh, this thing in Shadi <clears throat> is that everything that Jesus taught has these implications that were very significantly helpful in the Middle East, okay? Also, I began to think, uh, when, he, when he acted like that, and I don't want to over-psychologicalize this, but I think what, what, is, what is much easier for some of us to do is to do things out there. And I think one of the things Jesus was driving home is this is supposed to go also into the deepest parts of who you are. And I think one of the most crazy things I heard, uh, or what I watched, was that if you really start to do inventory in yourself, um, and if you're sincere with yourself, there are enemy-like parts of your own being, right? You're at war sometimes with yourself. I don't know if you're all like me, but when you lay in bed, there are just parts of you that you either hate, parts of you you try to avoid, parts of you ignore, you're hoping to go away. Well, guess what? They're you, okay? And so you've got to have your own little strategy on what does it look like for me to love my enemies and for me to love 
the enemy parts of myself. And for me, this has been a really radical concept to see that Jesus holds both the macro and the micro. They're both ultimately the same idea. And you can't do one without integrating it into the whole. And so for me, I have, uh, I have noticed, um, you know, I grew up, I don't know how y'all grew up. I grew up very late. I was a late, late bloomer. Uh, because of that, I was the last guy to get hair. And, you know, there. And the uh, you know, underarm, I played at all-boys school. Really wished I could have put fake hair here, you know, just to make it look like I was a maturing person, which I wasn't. And uh, so I was profoundly insecure, profoundly insecure. And I, I had learned through my insecurity um, to hide and to really kind of have a, a, a disdain for myself. And it's, it's silly because there's nothing you can do to control that, but it's what happens, right? And, and uh, so for me, one of the things that has been a, a pattern for me to, is to learn how to love um, that insecurity. And what I've found is that whatever the enemy is, whether it's an, a warring tribe next door or a part of yourself that is, uh, feels destructive to yourself, um, that the way of love wins. And love is what lasts. And I think as y'all, as y'all spend tons of hours, uh, BB says you got your psychology test tomorrow, all right, and, and all that stuff. So you have tons of work to do, all right? And you're learning how to apply your gift set in every aspect of the world. I love that about Covenant, all right? I hope there are phenomenal musicians and carpenters and, uh, you know, everything. You, you, you span it out. The whole of creation is yearning to have your talents exercised. But please do those out of a place of someone who is more fundamentally learning to receive love and learning how to give love. Because it really is your highest, the thing you're most capable of doing. And, and you will not become good at it unless you begin to work on it. And you cannot love things, you can love people, all right? So begin to work on that, all right? Let me pray for us. Well, Father, you are love. And you so loved us that you've given us life. And it's in the fullest sense that you yearn for us to experience it. You have these hopes that we really will be set free, that the parts of us that are blind or captive will be loosed. But not just there, everywhere in the world where there is injustice and blindness and imprisonment, that life will spring forth from there. So please, Lord Jesus, give these guys a vision for who they are Help that vision to be really deeply baked in being dearly beloved. You love them so much. Way more than we understand. And your love is so patient that it takes us, uh, you know, again, we're young. We want this to happen so fast. Please give us the patience to let love make its way. Uh, give us the ability to see what you see and to submit to your love. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.